Alrighty, so we're going to jump back in um, to this journey, which absolutely is a journey. And um, you know, it's about learning to be faithful in handling finance, money, wealth, possessions, stuff. Um, and I want to kind of we keep saying this, but I, I, it's really important to us that we really feel like the Lord's kind of encouraging us to talk about this, but to look at it in the context of, listen, it's true spiritual riches that we want. Like it's, it's people, you know, like people Sonia's been talking about, people whose stories have got muddled and messy and painful, actually seeing them redeemed and restored. That's the goal. That's the true spiritual riches. But the Bible is really clear. We read it in Luke 16, which I'm going to read later. Again, it's, it's really clear that actually one of the things that qualifies us to handle those true spiritual riches is actually how we handle worldly wealth. It can't, it's very, the Bible is explicit about that. And that's the aim. You know, remember, it's, you know, God is not after your money. It's all his anyway. Um, we're not after your money. Um, actually, but God is after our hearts. So money is a really good test of actually, well, where is my heart at? Um, but it, it, and again, I said it in the first week, but I want to remind you, this isn't just about, you know, you and your bank balance. Actually, there's, a, there's an influence far wider than that. In, in the parable of the faithful servant, and this, the story goes, Jesus tells a story where this, this master has three servants and he gives them all a sum of money and two of them are faithful with it. They go away and they invest it and they use it and it grows. And one of them just buries it and does nothing. But God's response, uh, the master's response to the faithful steward is really interesting. It says, um, well done, good and faithful servant. Have charge of 10 cities. There's like was a promotion in terms of influence um, because of this faithfulness in finances. And that's, that's what we're going after, okay? That's, so that's what we've been looking at. And so we've been looking at, and um, we've looked at the tithe, you know, this principle we see throughout Scripture of giving that first part of our money to the Lord. Um, not as a religious tick box and what do I have to do, but actually to have that lens of what is grace empowering me to do, um, and actually, you know, Sam's looked over the last few weeks at actually what it is to be generous, not just about behavior change, but actually something of this new nature, this new person I am in Jesus means actually what I do with my money is different, but from the inside out. And, um, you know, and I think, honestly, I think the Bible's pretty clear. And I think, you know, for those of us who we're sitting in this room saying, you know, yeah, we're Christians, we're like, you know what, my bottom line is, I actually do want to follow Jesus. Like, I actually, I really want to do what the Bible says. And actually, I recognize this call to be obedient with finances, to be generous, um, actually to, we recognize those as values. Um, and also, we understand the promise, you know, and we need to not shy away from it. Listen, the motive for me giving is not that I get, right? That's not the motive, but... It is absolutely a byproduct. It is who God says he is, and it is what he said he will do, that actually we give and he gives back even more. Like, we can't escape from that. And there's this amazing promise that's available to us if we align ourselves with these principles of God. And so, yes, it matters for our city, but actually, yes, we would be blessed too. And, you know, who wouldn't want to be blessed by Almighty God? Like, yes, I do. Absolutely, I do. And so, um, that, while that's not the motive... Like, that is part of what will happen. Um, and so I think, I guess, and maybe I'm just speaking for me, but I would have thought most of us, you know, would say, actually, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be there. Like, I'd like to be faithful. I'd like to be obedient. Like, none of us want to be disobedient and unfaithful, right? And yes, I would like to be fruitful. Yes, I would like to be, you know, see our city changed. Yes, I would like to be blessed. So I want to look over the next little bit about if that's kind of our bottom line. Yes, I would like that. But actually, what are some of the things that stop us? Um, so I want to look this week at what stops us um, in those things. And next week, really unpacking a bit more detail about actually what do we do about some of those things that do stop us. Does that make sense? Alrighty. Okay. So why don't we pray? Jesus, we ask that you'd help us. Thank you that you're constantly challenging and changing us. Thank you that um, 
you love us absolutely unconditionally as we are, but that you don't leave us as we are. Um, so Jesus, we say we want to follow you, we want to be like you. Um, and so we ask that you'd help us in this area of our finances to be free, to be healthy, to be faithful, to be fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you've got your Bibles, jump into Luke 16. I think one of, in this idea of, okay, yes, I would like to be generous, right? Yes, I would like to be faithful. What stops us? I think one of the main issues is at a fundamental level, we've maybe not quite settled this question of who am I serving? Is it God? Is it money? Who's the boss? I think much of the problems that we possibly come into stem from that place. Um, So let me read again Luke 16. This is verses 10 to 13. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Okay, so this is the verse where, this is the context of this whole series, actually learning to be faithful in order to be qualified for the more. And then verse 13 says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So that is the primary question. If we're like, okay, I want to be generous, what stops me? Have I settled that question? Who, who am I serving? Is it God? Is it money? Um, because Jesus says, listen, it can't be both. You can't have a foot in both camps. Now, the word that um, is used here in this verse um, for money, he said you can't serve both God and money, is actually mammon, um, which is almost, it's a bit, it's, it's not a word we would understand necessarily, but it's almost like it's the spiritual kingdom behind money. If money is, if I am not serving God wholeheartedly and I'm slightly serving money, it's actually, it kind of, it's, it comes into this, it's idolatry, right? Um, and so it's the same word actually that's used when it talks about um, if you've not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true spiritual riches? Worldly wealth, again, same word, mammon. So it means money, wealth, possessions, okay? We can't serve them. Listen, I do want to say at the outside, in and of themselves, money, possessions, a house, a car, are not wrong. They are not wicked and evil and of the devil, right? They're not. Let's put that out there. Ecclesiastes 5.19 says this, which I think is pretty clear. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and to be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God, right? God gives wealth, God gives possessions, and not only does he give them, but also the ability to enjoy them, not to feel awkward, embarrassed, and guilty about having them. That is a gift from God, to be given wealth and also to be able to enjoy it, okay? So wealth and possessions are absolutely not wrong, okay? That's why Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all evil. It very easily gets misquoted, that one, for money is the root of all evil. It's not. Love of money, and this issue is... Money and wealth and possessions are not in and of themselves evil, but if they become idols, if they become what I am serving, what I'm finding security in, if in any way I'm allowing them to take the position of God, then actually I'm serving mammon. I'm actually, my master is stuff. Can we, and we actually have to understand there is a spiritual dynamic to that. It's not just kind of not great life choices. There's a spiritual dynamic to that in terms of, actually, that's idolatry. I'm putting stuff in the position that only God should occupy. And it's, a, it's actually this challenge that I am serving and worshipping stuff. And so we have to, at the outset, what stops me? Have I settled? 
Who am I serving, money or God? It's a pastor called Jimmy Evans in the States who said this about mammon. Mammon promises us those things that only God can give. Security, significance, identity, independence, power and freedom. Mammon tells us that it can insulate us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. Like that's, that's, the, that's what we can get caught up in. If it is not absolutely settled, I am serving God, and I, therefore part of me serving God is I will serve God with my finances. If that isn't settled, it's very hard for us to be free to be faithful and free to be fruitful, right? So that's the first thing that needs settled. Because if that isn't settled, that God is the master, not wealth, we run the risk of getting caught up in, in sort of two ways of thinking and negative behaviors, which actually can become real strongholds. We can get properly stuck in, this is just how I think, how I feel, how I behave with money. Um, and they, they absolutely hold us back from living this generous, faithful, fruitful life and reaping the blessings that come alongside that. And so these two ways of thinking I'm going to call, it's, sort of a, it's almost like a spirit of pride on the one hand, but a poverty spirit or mindset on the other. Both of those, I think, come out of the same root that actually I'm serving money, not God. But it gets expressed a little bit differently, okay? And because it's, the focus is on stuff, the lack of it or the need of it or the want of it, it's the focus is on stuff, wealth, not on God. Um, and so we can actually be serving money. You know, we'd say, I'm a Christian, I want to love Jesus, but actually we're serving money out of a position of fear, okay? So this is what the poverty way of thinking looks like, is this chronic, constant fear of not having enough, so constant striving to provide, you know, so we're never able to give, never able to be generous, and, and never having any real hope that things would ever be any different. We're like, we're stuck in this poverty way of thinking, but actually we're still serving money. Or we have this pride position where actually I'm still serving money, um, but it's from a position of greed and materialism, and, you know, and I must have more. And, and there's never enough in that pride position, just as there's never enough in a poverty-minded position. Both of those ways of thinking are actually ways that I am serving money. Money is my master, the lack of it or the presence of it. Like, actually, money is my master, not God. Um, and it just creeps into our ways of thinking. So pride sort of, it, you know, whispers, actually, well, you know, wealth comes from hard work. You know, pat yourself on the back, good job, you did it. Whereas actually, it's poverty-minded, is actually wealth is, you know, wealth comes from the devil. You know, so pride says you should be super, you know, proud of what you have, whereas this poverty mind thinking is you should be really embarrassed by what you have. You know, what will people think at church if you get a new car? Like it, it creeps into our thinking, but they're both traps because they're focused on stuff, not on God. They both come out of this place where actually we're being torn into this idolatrous way of living, whereas actually I'm serving money, I'm not serving God. And so it's a slight oversimplification, but in my head, it, often it boils down to these two things. You know, we recognize the call to be generous, but we get stuck because either on the one hand, I don't want to, it's that pride, it's my money, I like it, I want it, I don't want to, or we recognize the call to be generous, um, but we think, I can't afford to. That's the poverty position, right? I can't afford to be generous because I am so in need. I have so much lack, I can't afford to. The result is, again, with either of these two ways of thinking, the result is that we hold on to what we have. You know, we're unable or unwilling, or a little bit of both, to give, actually to be faithful with the tithe, to bless other people, to be generous. Um, and the thing is, we lose out as a result. Let me read you this from um, Proverbs 11, 24, 25. One gives freely and grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, 
and the one who waters will himself be watered. Right? This is a spiritual principle. Give and it will be given back. You know, sow and you will reap. You are not going to reap a thing if you've never sown anything. That's just basic farming, right? This is the principle. But it's interesting to me, actually, someone who you know, keeps giving and yet gets all the richer because they're aligned with this principle of a faithful God who blesses the generous heart. But on the other hand, someone withholds what he should give. And that's a really interesting, that's an important statement. If I am withholding what I should give, I'm going to suffer want. So I want to gently say to you, listen, if I'm in a position where I'm constantly suffering want or lack and it's never quite working and I'm never quite, I can't quite shift that debt and i just constantly, just not winning. Listen, this isn't an A and B equals C, but I think a genuinely sensible question to ask with Holy Spirit is, am I giving what I should? Not what other people think you should, Like, again, because when Sam talked about this 2 Corinthians 9 passage, it says, it's really important, each of you should give, this is what Paul says to us, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, because what do other people expect or want or feel or pressure from the church, like any of that, none of that. God loves a cheerful giver. That's where we want to land, okay? So I would encourage you, it's a good question to ask, am I giving what I should? Married couples in the room, Good conversation to have between yourselves and take before the Lord in prayer. Are we giving what we should? You decide in your heart. What's holy, and it, when Holy Spirit shows you, do it. Even if that feels like a lot. I remember um, years ago, I think before we had kids, Phil and I needed a new car, and we'd saved a chunk of money for a new car. And there was a gift day coming up at church, and we f- both felt like we ought to give the whole chunk away. And then thought, that's ridiculous, because we actually don't... We need a car. Like, that's crazy. And I remember... It, I remember going to Phil's mum and dad, who were pastor in the church at the time, and saying, this is what we feel. And I was and genuinely, my hope was they were saying, no, don't be so silly. You need to be responsible. You need a car. Like, don't, don't you know, just give some of it. Like, of course they didn't. They said, what do you feel like the Lord said? And we said, well, we to give it away. And they said, so give it away. <laughs> but like, listen, when you've had that prompt from Holy Spirit, when you've decided in your heart, this is what he's saying, do it. If it's the money for a car, if it's a fiver in your pocket, you decide in partnership with Holy Spirit and do that. And actually, as we do that, as we give like that, we will grow all the richer spiritually and materially. Okay? That's the goal. Um, but it, listen, in all of these things, it really isn't about the amount. Right? If God is asking you to give the entire contents of your savings account, like, which might be tens of thousands, of pounds, if God is asking you to give that, then give that. That's what faithfulness looks like. If God is asking you to give £1.50 that you happen to have in your book, give that. And do you know, in, even in terms of us saying, listen, I want, for us, I want for us as a community to walk out of pride and out of poverty way of thinking. Both of those two things are nothing to do with amount, right? You know, someone can have an enormous bank account and be crippled with a poverty spirit, right? You know that, yeah? It's not about amount. In the same way, you can have real pride and greed and have very little. It's a, it's a posture of the heart. It's a position. It's a way of thinking that means, actually, I'm free to give and receive, and that's where we want to get to. Um, so what I, what I want is, listen, this is my heart. I want for us to be mature, right? That's the goal in church. Paul says it consistently through his letters that we would all grow up into the full measure of Jesus. What does it look like for us to be mature in response to and, and with our finances? That's the goal. Whether we have a lot, whether we have a little, the goal is maturity. And in terms of finances, I want to say, listen, that looks like prosperity, and I know in the church we kind of hear that word and start 
hanging on to the chairs or what, because it's been so badly misrepresented and the sort of prosperity gospel, you know, name it and claim it. And it, like it's, it's been horribly distorted. But what we mustn't do is react to error with a greater error. So that's what we've done in the church. You know, we've either said prosperity is all about my bank balance or we've said prosperity is absolutely nothing to do with finances and, you know, it is well with your soul and you're going to be constantly in debt. No. Like, prosperity is absolutely God's heart. Let me read you this, um, 3 John 1, verse 2. So this is what John is saying to his church. He says, Beloved, I pray that in every way, every way in the Greek means every way, in all things, other translations say, right? I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. Right? That's the goal. That's what the kingdom looks like. God's heart is that we would prosper in every way. It is including, but not exclusive, to finances. So we need to be okay with it. Um, and so I want to look. Um, I've done a table. You're going to like this. I want to look at these three Ps. Um, because if this primary question is, who am I serving? Is it God? Is it money? Okay. Having a look and a consideration of some of these things is a really good test of actually where am I at? Okay, if the goal is free to be faithful, free to be fruitful, some of this stuff is where we got stuck in the middle. All right. And so listen, you might, um, you might recognize some of these ways of thinking, some of these characteristics. And, and for some of you, you might think, I am well and truly in that poverty column. Or others of you are like, oh gosh, no, that pride column, that's way more like me. Listen, neither one of, those is, neither one of them is more righteous and godly than the other. Okay. The goal is, my heart is, how do we get into that prosperity column, which is about, actually, I am fully serving God, I am learning to be faithful, and as a result, actually, I am being fruitful. That's the goal, okay? So, and if any of these kind of feel like, oh, that sounds like me, like, take note of it. Like, I, I don't want us just to talk about stuff on a Sunday. Like, we don't want just information. Actually, we want to be transformed, right? I want to be changed, so I encourage you. Holy Spirit is highlighting this stuff for you. Take note of it. Okay, so firstly, overarching, simplification, but I think the poverty way of thinking is this, I cannot afford to give. I cannot afford to be generous. Okay? Whereas a pride position is, I just don't want to. It's mine. I like it. It's my stuff. Right? Prosperity is, do you know what? I cannot afford not to give. Whether that's my, you know, that's my tithe, which for me isn't about being generous. It's just about being obedient. It is for me, 101 managing my finances is I'm going to tithe faithfully. Actually, we land in a place where it's not guilt, not fear, not, well, something awful will happen if I don't. But actually, I can't afford not to be generous. And actually, it is a joy to give because God loves a cheerful giver. That needs to be changed on the inside, okay? But if I'm thinking on the one hand, I can't afford to, I really don't want to, it's really hard to be a cheerful giver. In fact, I think it's impossible, okay? So let's deal with those things. Poverty looks like I have to provide, okay? There's so much anxiety and striving, actually without any hope that genuinely things would ever change and look better. There's never enough. You're stuck. And we see this in our country, don't we? I was watching a documentary yesterday um, about called um, Britain's Forgotten Men, about the white working class men. Actually, and a lot of it is in, in Manchester. And it's, I was like, my heart was so grieved because there's just cycles of generation of hopelessness and poverty and crime and violence. I, you know, I think, like, that's not the kingdom. But listen, that can creep into our thinking. 
actually, I have to provide, and there's real anxiety associated with finances, and every time we go to check the bank balance, we kind of hold our breath. Is it going to be enough? Like, that's not where we want to live, and there's, there's never enough. But actually, you know, a pride position, there's still never enough because it's like, I am providing, you know, there's this, you know, self-reliance, well done me, good job, I deserve all, look at this, you know, look what I'm building, look what I'm earning. There's this underlying presumption, I've got this covered, right? That's not prosperity. The faith position is, God is my provider, so I have everything that I need. Settled, right? That's the faith position, Poverty, next column down. Money is the master, and so I'm constantly serving money to try and escape or get away from lack. But bottom line, I'm serving money. A pride way of thinking, money is still the boss, and I'm still serving money, but I'm serving it in order to get more for me. Same root, different behaviors, it's still not maturity and health. Maturity is God is my master and I am learning to be a faithful steward with what he gives me. I am, like God wants to trust us with more and we're learning, okay? That's prosperity. In a poverty way of thinking, we have um, you know, a real guilt and a worthlessness over ourselves. So actually, I don't deserve anything. And we feel really guilty about buying things, about you know, buying something that's more than necessary, unless it's 70% off in the sale rail, and I really, really need it, and then okay, but I still feel a little bit, like, that's an extreme, but honestly, some of us struggle with that. That's not the kingdom. But the prior position is I deserve all of this, and I absolutely deserve, you know, 10 new pairs of trainers this month, and I absolutely deserve the new upgrade of the iPhone. Like, listen, none of those things, like, trainers are not wrong, but, they, but you know when it's coming out of this, I must have more, this constant craving and hoarding. And listen, in this Poverty position or the pride position, there's never enough. We're constantly craving more and we're serving money as a result of it. But actually, a, a, a mature, healthy son and daughter says, this is all grace. And God says, I'm worthy. He says, I'm worthy. That he's going to provide for me and bless me. He's going to meet my needs and abundantly meet more than my needs. He says, I'm worthy. It doesn't matter if I feel like I'm, I'm worthy of it. It doesn't matter if I feel like I've earned it. You know, some of you really need to make some space for grace in your finances. Actually, just thinking, well, I've got myself into debt. I need to get out of it. Listen, learn the lessons. Yes, let's get wise. Yes, it means, you know, making a good budget. Absolutely, it means you have to trim things. Be responsible. But make space for grace, which isn't about what we earn or deserve. In a poverty mindset, there's constant bitterness, this resentment. I have, you know, because I don't have enough, I'm so resentful and envious and bitter towards anybody else who has. Okay? Whereas in a pride position, there's this, it's pride, it's boasting, it's ingratitude and unawareness of other people's struggle because it's all about me and my stuff. Whereas actually, where I want us to land is actually that whether we have much or whether we have little, two things remain. I am consistently humble and recognize I'm reliant on the Lord and I'm eternally thankful for what he's given me. Regardless of amount, that's my posture. I remain humble, I remain thankful. So if I'm blessed, I remain humble, I remain thankful. If I'm in need and I see someone else getting blessed, I remain humble, I remain thankful, right? That is what's possible for us. Now, when I have lack or whether I have pronto, plenty. A prosperous approach to money means I'm able to be humble and thankful in any situation financially. If pride or poverty remain, I can't land there. And finally, it's not just um, 
this idea of poverty and lack is not just that I'm unable to be generous and I'm able to give, actually I'm unable to receive, which is just as unhealthy. The Bible says, doesn't it, you know, freely you've received, freely give. Some of you need to work on the receiving. Actually, the you know, idea that someone would bless you is like really uncomfortable. I remember when um, Phil and I were getting married and um, his mom and dad said, hey, we'd, you know, we didn't have anything. They said, you know, we'd like to get you some furniture, we'd like to buy your bed. I was like, great. So we went to a, um, this warehouse and then um, I remember it was it was so shocking because I was thinking genuinely I'm put this out there poverty mindset poverty thinking has absolutely been the thing I've had to work hardest against that's all like I've always found myself in that left-hand column and so they were they were saying um I was thinking we'll just get like a bog standard basic you know and they were saying listen we'd really like to get you a, a super king size and I remember thinking that's just a bit excessive and then they were saying actually look look at this one this is really nice and I would then I was like the I was going for the cheapest mattress. They're like, no, let's, let's get this one. And then they were like, we want to get you some bedside cabinets that match with it. And I remember saying, no, 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 you don't need to. And Phil, actually, he did a good job of it. He kindly sort of pulled me to one side and said, Sarah, mum and dad really want to bless us. Would you let them? Um, and his parents are super generous towards us, but I had a really hard time accepting that. I'm now massively thankful for it. And anytime we're away and we have to sleep in a double bed, I'm like, ah, get away from me. Thank you, Jesus, for super king-sized beds. <laughs> Um, but I, I had a hard time being blessed. Um, and some of us, that is our thinking. And that it's a poverty mindset we need to kick against. So we're unable to receive guests, uh, gifts. But on the pride position, actually, um, it's almost like I'm demanding of it. There's this entitlement. You know, actually, yes, I, you know, I deserve all this. You know, when someone takes you out for dinner and I will intentionally choose the most expensive thing. Can you see, it's, it's degrees that we swing to and fro from. Um, actually, we'd end up with, you know, sort of hoarding and, in, you know, inappropriate excessive spending. But actually, prosperity in that bottom right-hand corner looks like, do you know what, I walk in self-control. Actually, and I walk in contentment. I want to look at contentment next week in detail. Actually, which means I'm able to give and I'm able to receive. I'm able to save. That's a novel idea, right? I'm able to wait. I'm able to go without. And I'm entirely content in the middle of those seasons, Right? I can give and receive freely. So though, and again, self-control and contentment are out of a mature position, out of a prosperous soul, a prosperity position is where we need to line up. And so, listen, I don't know about you, but I look at those things and think, that right-hand column looks like a way nicer place to live, right? That looks like a lot more fun being over there rather than in that other column. But the reality is, for some of us, probably all of us, there's elements that we find ourselves in that poverty thinking or a pride position that creep in. So how can we get, how can we be, actually walk in health and maturity, and yes, I'm going to say it, prosperity, okay? So I want to look at that in detail next week, but I, let's, I want to say this, mature sons and daughters will walk in that. That's what it's going to look like, okay? And I think much of those other two columns, if you think about it, um, I actually think a lot of those ways of thinking, a lot of those characteristics... Right? They are unhealthy and immature, and they are ungodly, right? That's not, we're called to look like Jesus. That, those things don't, okay? But I think those, a lot of those things are actually rooted in fear, both of them, whether it's a pride position or a, a poverty mind of thinking. There's this fear of never having enough, you know, fear of not keeping up with the Joneses. Well, what will it look like if I don't have this or I haven't got the other? It's still fear, actually, or a fear that God actually won't provide, so I actually better have, Okay? Listen, we're called to live a life of faith, not fear. So we need to have a faith position that my God is able. 
That's what it says in that 2 Corinthians 9 passage we looked at. But my God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all times having all that you need, right? He's able. So we have to lean on him and have a faith position. And actually, I'm convinced as Christians, we need to have a zero tolerance approach to fear. Okay, it says in Romans 8 that you're no longer slaves to fear. There's so much fear often, I think, associated with our finances. But that's not the kingdom. And I think we tolerate those things and then they start to dominate us. They become strongholds in the way that I think and behave and react towards the money. And I, I want... I, encourage you to have a right enough is enough type attitude toward those things if you recognize some of those things that looks and sounds a little bit like me you need to call time on those things and say right god i want to walk in faith i want to be free to be faithful i want to be free to be fruitful help me that's the goal right the more mature we become and again we really want to look at this next week so much of this comes out of our understanding of our identity as deeply loved sons and daughters with a fiercely loving, generous Heavenly Father and an incredible inheritance. If that isn't settled for us, it's really difficult to land in that prosperity column. So I want to look at that next week. But listen, the more mature we come, um, actually the more we walk out of fear and are able to be in that position of health towards our finances. We can and will prosper in all things, not just in finances, but it does include finances. So I want to look at those things next week. So where do we land this? Listen, if you feel like, and I'm sure every single one of this room, somewhere or other, some of those things in either pride or poverty, you're like, oh, yep, sounds a little bit like me. Listen, two things. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which is good news. But Holy Spirit absolutely is going to point things out to us. In his kindness, the Bible says, God leads us to repentance. And the way he leads us is by highlighting, Sarah, that stuff doesn't look good on you anymore. Sarah, that's not mature daughter. I need you to shift that. Sarah, that is not a healthy way of thinking about money. Like, can we adjust that? Like, in his kindness, he'll show us those things. And I think a really healthy practice in any area of our life is, he's got to show me anywhere I'm not healthy, right? It's what John, um, David did in Psalm 139. He says this brilliant phrase, search me and know me. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a really healthy discipline to get into. And I would encourage you this week Actually, get before the Lord and say, God, show me. Is there any way in my thinking, in my attitude, in my response to finances that actually is offensive to you, actually isn't lined up with your perfect will for my life? Because I, I don't know about you, I want to walk in the way everlasting. It sounds like a good place to be. So God, show me if there's any way that I'm not. And he will. And then let's do something with that. Because the thing is, if the goal is maturity and health in our finances is prosperity, that's the goal. That's where we're heading. Like with any journey, it's all very well knowing your destination. But in order to plan a route, you've got to know where you're starting from. Okay? So let's not pretend we're anywhere other than actually where we are. And maybe you're like, Do you know what? I am crippled with poverty thinking. I have so much fear associated with finances. I feel so good. Whatever it is, don't pretend. Just let the Lord highlight those things. And then let's go on a journey to say, okay, how do we walk out of those things into health and into maturity because that's the goal and that's absolutely what the kingdom has available for us. Is that all right? So some of this the Lord will do in a moment. A lot of this I feel like he's going to do over the next days and weeks. I want to encourage you, take what he shows you, talk about it, talk to somebody, pray about it, make a decision. I'm going to, I want to walk forward. I want to make progress in this. Is that all right? Okay. It's all right with two of you, so that's enough. 
Have a stand up and let's pray while we close.